you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. It's been a long time since I've watched the classic movie, A Rebel Without a Cause. Over the years, this depressing film has achieved landmark status, partly for the acting of James Dean, who actually died before the film's release. But the movie was also groundbreaking because it portrayed rebellion by suburban, middle-class teenagers for the first time. This was a total reversal from previous movies where the teen rebels were from poor, urban slums and broken families. In other words, it was profound to depict white teenagers from supposedly decent homes actually rebelling against society. Remember, this was the 1950s. The central point of the film, spoiler alert, is that these teens and others like them were justified in the rebellion because of their bad home environments, especially poor fathering. Jim's parents were constantly fighting and his dad was a wimp. Judy felt neglected and ignored by her father because she was no longer a little girl. Plato's father abandoned the family when he was a toddler, leaving him under the care of a housekeeper. All seemingly good reasons to turn into a rebel. So if all these rebels truly had a cause for the rebellion, why is the movie title Rebel Without a Cause? Well, for one thing, it was taken from the title of a 1944 book. But maybe there's another sense of the word cause here. Instead of saying these rebels had no justification, no cause for the rebellion, it's better understood that these rebels were fighting against something but not for anything worth fighting for. Think about our own American history. Our forefathers were rebels. They rejected the authority of their British leaders. Yet they were not just rebelling because they were opposed to the British. They were fighting for freedom. In other words, they were rebels with a cause. Their cause was independence. Rebellion in our children is not rebellion with a cause. They are not fighting the good fight for freedom from our tyranny, even if they think they are. In this sense, sinful rebellion in our children is without a cause. It has no good biblical goal that they are striving to achieve. Yet in the alternative sense, we must recognize that there is a root cause for our children's rebellion, as with all of us rebels. We are born rebelling against our Creator. Do you recognize that your child comes out of the womb rebelling against God? Even before children can form their first word or shake their cute little fists at the Lord, their hearts are in a rebellious state. They are living for self and want to have nothing to do with their ultimate authority. If you know this to be true, then this podcast is for all parents of all children. They, like their parents, are first rebels against God before surrendering and submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yet while all children are born rebels, not all are rebelling the same way, for the same reason, or with the same results. 
So let's dig down deep into the topic of childhood rebellion and strive to deal with our little rebels biblically. Just like in the 1955 movie, we tend to think of rebellion as something that occurs during the teenage years. Sinful activities like underage drinking, drug use, and sexual experimentation come to mind. Yet early childhood defiance must also be understood as rebellion. When your toddler is given an instruction and he folds his arms, glares at you, and says no, this is more than just plain old disobedience, right? It is disobedience fueled by the rebel heart that wants ultimate liberation from parental authority. Since disobedience and rebellion are so closely knit in childhood, I may say some of the same things that I did in a previous podcast on plain old disobedience. But I also hope to push us forward to some other biblical parenting truths as well. But before I get into those, consider this headline from The Guardian. Since when did obedience become the epitome for good parenting? Well, that got my attention. Here are some of the important quotes from this provocative article. Quote, So much of what we see as disobedience in children is actually just natural, curious, exploring, learning behavior, or reacting in the only way they know how to a situation over which they have no control. End quote. Or this one, a very young child isn't actually meant to be obedient all the time. This is because their needs are often completely at odds with an adult's. And then finally, this last one. See if you can follow his reasoning. Quote, a child will push the boundaries if they have a more secure attachment. Children who have been responded to led to believe in a healthy way that their voice is valued that all they have to do is object and action will be taken. They will push boundaries. And this is really healthy behavior. Compliance? They've learned there's no point arguing because their voice isn't valued, end quote. Even though this view is reported as being unique and profound by the author, I actually think it sums up what many parents think about childhood rebellion today. It's normal. It's natural. It's even beneficial for the child. The child is just acting out of his deep need for independence. Constant obedience, better known as compliance, is a bad thing. You are a good parent if your child rebels since he or she feels safe to rebel. So is this view consistent with God's word and a biblical worldview? There are certainly some truths in there mixed with those errors. But it ends up in the wrong place without an understanding of the power of our sinful, rebellious hearts. Let's talk then about a more biblical way to think of and deal with the various aspects of childhood rebellion. Here's a first point. Be careful with the label strong-willed child. Now, I really don't know when we began using this term to describe a particular sort of child. I do remember several books coming out in the 1970s. I also remember the psychologist James Dobson talking a lot about the strong-willed child. So for many years, we have heard parents talking about a particular child of theirs as strong-willed. You may have one, or maybe you've been one yourself. 
While this is a very descriptive label, we need to be cautious with it. It can be easily used to excuse and even justify rebellious behavior. Listen to how the strong-willed child is described by one writer. Quote, typically smart, confident, and loyal, strong-willed children show remarkable capacity for creative thinking and problem-solving, and nothing's going to get in my way determination to achieve their goals, end quote. Well, that certainly sounds better than saying my child is selfish, stubborn, prideful, and rebellious. He always must get his way. And then here's another description. Quote, although all kids can be strong-willed sometimes, a truly strong-willed child exhibits certain characteristics consistently. Also referred to as spirited children, strong-willed kids' temperaments are often evident from the minute they're born. Being strong-willed isn't the same as being a bad kid. Strong-willed kids are simply determined to do things according to their own terms. End quote. Do you hear it? They are simply determined to do things according to their own terms. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a nice spin for a childhood rebellion. By definition, fighting for things on my own terms is rebellion against the authority who wants you to live according to their terms. So while you may rightly say that you have a child who appears to want his way more than a more compliant child, please don't just chalk that up to his own personality. That will tempt you to have a different set of rules and expectations for him, or even abandon discipline altogether. On the other hand, a so-called strong-willed child is not the worst rebel in the world. Even compliant children can be rebellious in their hearts and just externally obedient. At least you know where you stand with the strong-willed child. So there's your word of caution. Don't celebrate your child with a strong will simply believing he'll be a great leader one day. He may also just turn into a selfish, domineering jerk without proper love, discipline, and training and the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's a second thing for us to talk about, the concept of validating your child's feelings. According to some parenting experts, one of the first ways to handle the rebellious child is to acknowledge and validate the child's feelings. When little Johnny stomps his feet and throws a temper tantrum, you can say something like, I understand you're upset that we can't go to grandma's house right now. The advice goes on like this. Even if you think your child's behavior is overly dramatic for the situation, don't minimize his feelings by saying it's not a big deal. When strong-willed kids feel heard and understood, they feel less compelled to prove to you how bad they feel. Okay, well, let's start with a bit of truth in there. Communicating to your child that you understand why he is upset or doesn't want to do what you tell him to do can be okay. After all, you do understand, since you are a rebel at heart that needed to learn submission too. Telling little Johnny you understand why he is being rebellious is one thing. Telling him it is okay to feel this way is another. So it is better to say something like, I understand you're upset that we can't go to grandma's house right now, but acting out in your anger is wrong. Your heart is self-focused and not trusting in God's sovereign plan right now for your life. 
The idea that if your child feels heard and understood, they feel less compelled to prove how bad they feel sounds nice, but it's just not true. It's really a load of psychobabble. Your child must learn not to vent all his feelings in an unrestrained manner. He must learn to control his selfish thoughts and emotions. He must know that his tongue is a dangerous weapon to be tamed. Validating feelings is not what is most required here. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should be dismissive of how your child is feeling at the moment. The feelings expressed are simply indicators of what is going on in his heart. His heart is what needs to be changed. Now let's move on to a third issue, the supposed need of the rebellious child for respect. Here's some advice about how to handle a rebellious child from a Christian author. Quote, In his infinite wisdom, God gave each of us free will, but the strong-willed child seems to cherish that gift far more intensely than others do. All strong-willed children desperately crave personal autonomy, From their point of view, it's their clothes, their schoolwork, their life, and they want to make the decisions on those issues, thank you very much. Try to take away control of the things they believe they own, and they'll fight back like a cornered wildcat. This is yet another interesting way to talk about childhood rebellion. This child seems to cherish the gift of free will more intensely than others. Why are we so afraid to say that this child is more rebellious than others? Well, so here's the rest of her advice. Figure out as early as possible how you can voluntarily give your child some control over herself, even in very small ways. If she wants to carry that dirty, ragged blanket into church, swallow your pride and let her have it. Save the conflict for the very important battles you'll need to fight later. Now, I have no problem agreeing with the fact that we have to choose our battles wisely as parents. But this author's conceptualization of a parent swallowing pride and giving control over to a child does not fit in a good biblical framework of parenting. On top of that, she links this idea of giving some control to giving respect because the strong-willed child has some sort of deep need to be respected. But this is not how we give respect to children. Giving respect is treating them as human beings made in the image of God rather than treating them like some sort of animal. Giving respect is speaking the truth in love. Giving respect is seeing how they are suffering. It is not giving them some semblance of control so that they'll feel better. Giving a child control will only lead to a desire for more control. Children need to learn submission to God and to parents. We must not treat our rebellious child like we are in some sort of hostage negotiation. You will only empower your child to be more rebellious if you go down that path. The rebellious child must be trained and discipled to respect you. And that doesn't come from you showing some egalitarian base respect to him first. Now, here's another issue we need to talk about, responding to the demand to know why. Another author says this about the rebellious child. One of the worst things a strong-willed child can hear is, because I said so. They want to know why they can't play in the rain or why it's a bad idea to jump on the couch. 
obviously children hate to hear because I said so. I know I did. But it's not because they are strong-willed. It's because they are rebellious sinners. So the preferred answer to this problem appears to be give an explanation of your rules or commands when your child answers why. Here again are the author's thoughts on the subject. Saying, we can't go to the park today because it's snowing out and the playground equipment will be unsafe will help your child understand that your rules aren't simply an attempt to torture her, but there's a valid reason behind them. Frankly, there's a bigger problem if your child thinks your rules are an attempt for you to torture her rather than emanating from a heart of love. But the truth is that giving an explanation will only possibly work if your child actually wants to know why. So if that's really the case, you can offer a brief explanation. Unfortunately, most of the time the rebellious child is asking why just to nag you into giving in to his own way. The why question is a manipulation, a declaration that says I'm not going to follow your rules regardless of your reasoning. Attempting to give an explanation will just lead to more and more whys followed by more whys and whys and whys. When you suspect the why is just a complaint and a nag, you must expose the question for what it is. Son, you don't really want to know why. You just want your own way. You need to obey and do what I've said. Or, it is your job to trust God and honor me as your parent. While you may think this doesn't make sense, believe me when I tell you that it does. Only resorting to explanations empowers the rebellious child and often puts the parent in a defensive posture. It is the child's way of saying, you work for me and I demand an explanation before I consider your request. Here's a fifth item. What do we do with all the arguing? Yet again, let me start with another observation about the rebellious child from an expert. Strong-willed kids don't give up when they disagree. They love to engage in power struggles, and their stubborn persistence often tires people out. They're great debaters who are good at finding loopholes and exceptions. So don't be surprised when your child recalls that one time you let him eat ice cream for breakfast or the one time you justified lying because you didn't want to pay for the ticket into the zoo even though he was too old to get a free ticket. Again, do you hear that we're supposed to see the strong-willed child in the best possible light? He's just a good debater. Parent, you need to be on your toes and close all loopholes. He is just so persistent. As hard as it may be to actually do, The solution here is to not engage in persistent arguing with your child. This is not just spirited debate. As parents, we can easily be tempted to treat our child like he's an adult, and we are just debating the finer points of the law. Now, I'm not talking about actual theological or philosophical discussions. Those are fine as long as the child stays respectful. Arguing that is connected to a true struggle for power must be avoided and quickly extinguished. You must be willing to walk away, to not respond, to let consequences take effect. When a parent engages in a power struggle, he will most often lose because the child doesn't feel like he has anything to lose. So disengage. Stand firm for obedience 
or there will be discipline. Demand respect. This is not about the parent winning an argument or convincing a child of the truth. It must be all about requiring your child to submit to your authority on the matter. Here's a sixth item. What about all the bossiness? Here again, we have an interesting take on the rebellious child. Quote, Strong-willed kids have a vision in their mind about the way things should be, and they'll often orchestrate ways to turn that idea into reality. They have no problem telling their peers where to stand or how to behave, and they're not shy about telling adults what to do either. End quote. Okay, so being bossy with peers is one thing, but not being shy about telling adults what to do is another. I can understand that strong-willed kids have a vision in their mind about the way things ought to be, but this is not about them being visionary. This is them being self-centered and lacking love for others. Now again, here's the corresponding advice given by the expert. When your child says things like, give me that toy or stand over there, make him practice stating his needs in a more appropriate manner. Say, that's not how we ask for something. Try again in a kinder way. Now I can get on board somewhat with that approach, but I would be firmer and even give consequences like, you have lost your opportunity to have that toy right now. Try again later in a more respectful way. Bossiness is simply a symptom of the rebellious heart that must be in control all the time. It can grow into bullying behavior and then to full flower of being a dictator. We can't allow our kids to demand that we or others act according to their vision. Now let me speak to a classic parenting mistake. Offering choices to the rebellious child. Here's how it is expressed by one parenting expert. Don't waste your energy trying to convince a strong-willed child to do something she doesn't want to do. Nagging, begging, and rationalizing isn't likely to get you anywhere. Strong-willed kids will dig in their heels and refuse to budge. Strong-willed kids are more likely to comply when they feel like they have some choices in the matter. So rather than saying, clean your room now, ask, do you want to clean your room now or in 10 minutes? Giving her a choice can help her feel more empowered and reduce her need to control everything. Just make sure you can live with either answer. Now, it is certainly true that you will get nowhere with your rebellious child if you simply try to convince, nag, beg, or rationalize. This is coming from a point of weakness, not a place of authority. Simply because your child wants choices doesn't mean you give choices. Even this example that was just given is manipulative. Clean your room now or in 10 minutes? What if your child wants option C, none of the above? I refuse to clean my room at all. Again, these kinds of choices do empower a child, and that's not a good thing. Respectfully disagreeing with this parenting expert. Having a child feel more empowered does not reduce the need to control everything. It only increases the desire and demand for control. So rather than giving choices, give clear instructions with corresponding consequences. Like this. 
You have until 7 o'clock to clean your room, including the closet and under the bed. If it is not clean by then, you will have more work to do and lose any free time you have tonight. Here's an eighth issue, confronting rebellious impatience. Listen one more time to a particular piece of advice on the strong-willed child. Strong-willed kids want to do everything according to their timetables. They hate waiting in line at the grocery store. They don't like waiting for their turn when playing a game. And they aren't interested in sitting in the waiting room at the doctor's office. They don't want to waste a second waiting for someone else. Waiting is a part of life, and it's important for your child to learn how to cope with waiting. Plan ahead and help her see that she has options by asking questions like, What do you want to bring with you to do while we wait in the waiting room today? Whether she decides to color or play with her favorite toy, make it clear that she has options in how she handles the situation. Well, at least this author recognizes that the rebellious child needs to learn how to wait. Last time I checked, impatience is not a virtue. It is a sinful heart habit. But this solution, again, is weak. The more a strong-willed child is catered to, the more strong-willed he becomes. Isn't that just common sense? So making waiting easy for your child is not the answer. Being firm about the sin of impatience is. Speaking the truth in love, you must communicate to your child that she needs to grow in the spiritual fruits of patience. Sure, waiting is hard. But you don't need to entertain your child so that being patient is somehow more fun. Teaching patience as trusting in God's timetable is what's most important. Of course, in our own rebellion, we want things to go according to our timetables. But God is in control of time, not us. Training a child to slow down, consider others, and make good use of time will counter the impatient heart. Again, this is where we teach them that they are trying to control what they can't control and that controlling is a sinful desire. Let's briefly address just four more principles regarding the rebellious child. First, the rebellious child and rules. Here again from the expert. Strong-willed kids aren't interested in hearing your opinion about when it's time for bed. Instead, they're likely to insist they'll go to sleep when they're tired. They prefer to make their own policies and set their own guidelines rather than follow an authority figure's rules. Again, listen to all the code words for rebellion. And then here's this expert's parenting strategy. Avoid making too many rules. Too many rules will overwhelm a strong-willed child and reduce her motivation to comply. Focus on the most important rules only. Avoid power struggles over minor issues and allow your child to face natural consequences whenever possible. For example, if your 10-year-old insists she doesn't want to wear a jacket to the store, avoid getting into a battle over it. If she's cold, she may choose to wear a jacket in the future. By now, you may already know what I'm going to say. Big mistake. Sure, parents are to avoid making unnecessary rules and policies but we never avoid making too many rules. Your rebellious child needs to submit to and obey the rules. It doesn't matter that they prefer their own policies. 
That's what makes them a rebel. Here's another principle, the principle of needs, wants, and fairness. The expert says, strong-willed kids struggle to understand the difference between a need and a want. Whether they want to play outside in the rain or eat a hot dog for breakfast, they'll claim they need to do it. They're also very concerned with fairness. Even when things are going their way, they'll often insist that they're not getting their fair share. What's their suggested parenting strategy then? Here it is. Use rewards more than consequences. Use a reward system like a token economy to reward good behavior. A reward system leaves the choice up to your child. Say, clean your room and earn time to watch TV. If you decide not to clean your room, you don't get to use your electronics. A token economy system will give your child a chance to earn privileges without feeling punished. No, the token system or stickers or bribery of any kind will not solve the problems of the heart. It's just a way that a parent can manipulate the rebel to do the right things. Consequences are always required for the rebellious heart. Don't fall for the trap of only using rewards to motivate. Again, the rebel doesn't need choices. Here's another item, selective listening. Here's the expert view. Tell a strong-willed child to be careful or use walking feet, and if she's not interested, she'll simply ignore you. Strong-willed kids are good at using selective hearing, and they easily tune out anything that doesn't suit their needs. The suggested parenting strategy? Stick to your word. Well, that actually sounds like a sound biblical idea. Here's more from the expert. If you tell your child to do something and she ignores you, step in and address the situation so she knows that you say what you mean and you mean what you say. If you say you're going to take away electronic privileges for the day, it's essential that you follow through with that limit. Then your child will learn that you aren't wasting your words on empty threats. Well, a gold star for this advice. Yes, the parent must say what he means and mean what he says. And on the bigger issue of selective listening, again, this is code for rebellious listening or rebellious lack of listening. When your child ignores a command or instruction, it is disobedience and must be disciplined. Finally, it is said that these children, these supposed strong-willed children, move at their own pace. Here's one last expert opinion. Tell a strong-willed child she can go to the park and she's likely to move like a bull in a china shop in an effort to get out the door. Tell her to get ready to go to the grocery store, and she may dawdle for an hour. Strong-willed kids often eat fast and talk fast, but then move at a snail's pace when doing something they aren't interested in doing. And then here's the final suggested parenting strategy. Make your expectations clear. Strong-willed kids are famous for saying things like, but you didn't tell me that. Whether you're headed to the library or a neighbor's house for a visit, set your expectations ahead of time. Make it clear what constitutes acceptable behavior and discuss the consequences for breaking the rules ahead of time. Say, I expect you to be ready in 10 minutes. Explain what will happen if she isn't, and then make sure to follow through with consequences if needed. Now, this piece of advice isn't too bad either. But it's still funny to me that this child is said to move at his own pace. This is rebellion. 
I am not moving at your pace. I'm moving at my pace. I am free to move whenever I want to move. So make sure to describe this as rebellious behavior as well. Don't let your rebellious child dictate his pace, his course, or his overall direction in life. That is for God to dictate through you, his parent. Ultimately, our little rebels need the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to conquer their stubborn, self-willed hearts. We must avoid some of this secular, worldly, and unhelpful advice when it comes to the strong-willed child. Your training and discipline also will not work on its own. These children need the power of Christ in their lives. Hopefully they will learn to submit, to love others more than they love themselves, and to love God with all their hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Always point them to the true king of the universe and the king of their hearts. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.